Hi, everyone. This is Tim. Thanks for the download. I just wanted to let you know this podcast was originally released last spring before RadioMVP.com was built. So this was an opportunity to add it to our catalog and to let you find out more about Dominic Leone, who is currently the prosecutor for Struthers, Ohio, and is running for the municipal judge in Struthers, Ohio. The election is this Tuesday, November 7th. Once again, this podcast was originally recorded last spring before the primaries. And it's a perfect opportunity right now to re-release it before the election on November 7th. Once again, this is my conversation from last spring with Dominic Leon, the current prosecutor for Struthers, Ohio, who is seeking to become the judge at the Municipal Court in Struthers, Ohio. Welcome to Radio MVP Podcast, as we are Mahoney Valley's most valuable podcast. And today we're going to be talking with Dominic Leone. He is running for the Muni Judge in Struthers. And it's an opportunity to learn about the Muni Judgeship and what's going on in that court. And also uh, learn more about Dominic as we get going. Dominic is currently the Law Director and Prosecutor for Struthers, Ohio. The Muni Judge in Struthers consists of the city of Struthers. Poland Township, Springfield Township, Poland Village, New Middletown Village, Lowville Village, and that is the geographical area of the Struthers Court. It's not just the city of Struthers, what most people might think, and we'll get into that. Dominic has prosecuted over 15,000 cases as law director, and he has a vision for the court where he's looking to add a drug court, a veterans court, and a knights court, and we're going to get into that. Dominic has also been endorsed by the 224 Corridor Democratic Club and the Young Dems of Mahoning County. And we're going to bring in right now Dominic Leone. Thank you, Tim, for having me. I'm very pleased to be here. Um, to look, for, I look forward to this opportunity to discuss not only my candidacy for the judges' race, but also my uh, experience in the municipal court that includes the jurisdiction, the, all the villages and the city and the townships that you uh, talked about. Um, I'd like to start by kind of discussing what a municipal court is, if that's okay with you. Yeah, no, that's actually one of the things we need to get in because a lot of people don't know what Muni Court is and what its jurisdiction is and what they do. So well, let's start there. What is the Muni Court? You've been involved in it for the last six years. Talk about that. A municipal court is a court, a centrally located court that deals with specific jurisdictions, such as our court deals with the one city of Struthers, two townships, Poland Township and Springfield Township, and three villages. Lowville, Poland Village, and the Middletown. So what that what that means is it's about a 75 square mile radius that our court covers, and we have jurisdiction over. It's only it's only for adults. So in, anyone over 18 18 and over is the the uh, people that we have authority to charge, and we have authority to sentence them in our court and to uh, put them on probation. As the prosecutor, I do everything from neighborhood mediation to uh, some volunteer work at, at the school, uh, and I'll get into that later about the law director role a little bit. As a, the municipal court and as the prosecutor, um, we deal mostly with misdemeanors, and the most common misdemeanors in our court are OVIs. There, there's about 700 
or 800 OVIs a year. We deal with a lot of domestic violence, unfortunately, and we deal with uh, the, the major crimes of major misdemeanors are uh, OVI, assault, and uh, domestic violence. Um, there's, a, there's a variety of other charges we deal with, and I don't remember if you recall Zika virus was going right, on a couple yeah, years ago. Exactly. Uh, there was a couple cases that we charged with uh, what they call inducing panic. There's four misdemeanors that we could charge, or there's actually five. There's a minor misdemeanor, which is like a zoning ticket. There's a M misdemeanor four, which is a disorderly conduct. Uh, if you're public intoxication is probably the most common thing people know. If you're intoxicated on a roadway or somewhere where, where um, the, the police don't think that you're in a safe position, they will charge you with public intox. Then it goes up, and that's only 30 days in jail. A minor misdemeanor is non-jailable offense. Uh, there's a M2 that's the next step up that's up to 90 days in jail. That's the most common charge there is obstructing official business. That's where most, more or less most of those charges are you give the wrong information to the police. Uh, we, it's a very common thing that happens. Usually a, a driver or a passenger, they uh, for whatever reason, they, maybe they have a warrant or they don't have a license, so they'll give some fake name or fake uh social security number and then the most serious charge that we do is like i said a, a misdemeanor of the first degree which is uh, up to six months in jail and a thousand dollar fine and those are the assaults and the domestic violences and the ovi stops that we do our court in addition to dealing with the misdemeanors um, we have the authority to charge felonies and and so what that means a little bit is that for instance uh teddy the teddy faults case for example as the prosecutor i was able to when when Te when teddy first passed away right. the the hospital actually called the police department our struthers police department and said there's a little funny business going on with the way the manner in which the the mother reported the the death and the the, the medical records that we have it, it didn't coincide together so uh, our police department went up and did some interviews there, and then they called me to help them write the search warrants. So um, I would do that on I do that uh, um, on felony cases and, and misdemeanor cases. We'll write search warrants, and so uh, the current judge will sign those warrants. And then on on this particular case, I went and executed the search warrant with the police department. And we were there about 10, 12 hours at the house. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with how a murder investigation goes or not, but I've been on a couple now as a prosecutor. If there's blood on the wall, they'll cut out the wall, like the drywall. Sure, to, to preserve it. To preserve it, yeah. yeah. If there, there was blood on the mattress, so I believe. No, I think they took the whole mattress on that well, one. Uh, yeah, or they'll cut the exactly, mattress. Exactly, right. They want to preserve what evidence they find where they can then examine it and, and, if necessary, use that in a courtroom, correct? Correct, yeah, correct. And we had all kind of blood samples that we, we collected as well. And, you know, when we got there, the house smelled like bleach. So it, you could tell there was Right, they're some, trying to clean up the... Were, yeah. yeah. Um, but after we executed the search warrant and uh, some more medical records came in and some more evidence was collected, I, I think it was around midnight is when I actually went down to City Hall and we typed in... We typed up the murder complaint for murder. Uh, so our court does have the jurisdiction, and I have the authority under the uh, Ohio Revised Code to charge felonies. So even, I know that was an extreme example of murder. Right. 
But these yeah. things do happen. These and, things do happen, yeah. So and, uh, and a court needs to be able to execute what it needs to do to you know protect the citizens and, and then move forward you know with the uh, the law enforcement yeah and it, and exactly and just to go along those lines and in regards to felonies the municipal court all we have the ability and the authority to do is to charge someone and to give them uh, what they call a preliminary hearing okay so though zero Bush who was charged with a murder and uh, uh, Teddy's mom um Shane I forget her last name right now Shane Whit- Witterstein or something like that she uh we charged them both um and judge would set the bond for them and then we would ha- run a preliminary hearing which is just a probable cause hearing and then from there the case gets bound over to the Mahoney County Common Pleas Court where the where the grand jury would convene and Paul Gaines's county prosecutor's office would take the case and and our court would lose jurisdiction at that point so but, we, but what your court does is get the ball rolling we get in the ball judicial rolling. area i guess is the right word to say yeah. to uh start the proceedings that are necessary for uh, a court hearing, I guess, is the yeah, right word. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And murder was is one extreme example. Most of the time, what, what it is, it's, it's, it's felony drug possession. Right. So they'll pull someone over, they're saying Poland or Springfield, uh, for a taillight or, or speeding or whatever it is. And uh, a lot of times people don't have licenses. Or a lot of the time, you know, people are acting fidgety or the officers can smell some paraphernalia or smell some marijuana really in the car get them they have some probable cause to get into the vehicle um and the arrest will result in possession of uh suboxone or heroin cocaine um a a multitude of drugs could be anything from opiates to whatever correct could could be anything yeah Yeah. it's that's it's an interesting thing obviously you know with the drug culture that is around in every uh, community I know uh, opiates right now are, is is a big problem in the state of Ohio, and then you're talking like you said, maybe even from marijuana uh, to whatever it may be, you know, whatever type of street drugs that are out there, and uh, I, you know, obviously, let me ask you this: in the courtroom or in your in the muni court, how many cases a year do you find in the drug? There's cases brought to court. I would even boil it down to weekly. I oh would, wow! Yeah, I would say weekly we have. Or almost daily, there might be a couple drug cases a day that we charge, or I would say maybe weekly. There's a couple that we charge mm-hmm. every week. Um, it, it's it's slowed down a little bit, but it's still it's still prevalent. prevalent. Yeah. yeah, it's still prevalent. It's still a weekly occurrence. The fire departments and and we used to charge uh, differently. Now there's like a good Samaritan law where we don't charge with drug possession if you're calling to revive a victim. Uh, so we kind of got that going on a little bit too, but. It's a weekly thing, and especially you know you cover in our geographical area. There's there's a lot of unfortunate. There's a lot of uh, felony drug possession, felony drug trafficking, and and some other felonies that happen too. And when you look at the court in general, um, obviously uh, Judge Lanzo has uh, aged out of his opportunity to run again. He's over seventy, and that's where the uh, cutoff is in the state of Ohio. Talk about the court the way it is today, and maybe what. A vision you have for the court in the future, uh, Judge Lanzo uh, is my is a mentor was a mentor to me. I don't have anything really bad to say about him. He, I think of him almost like a father figure. 
Uh, it's bittersweet to see him um, have to retire. But with that uh, comes an opportunity for change, you know. A new generation. Exactly. And I think that's a a good thing for the court, all courts across the state of Ohio. I mean, there's nothing wrong with age. There's nothing wrong with experience. As a matter of fact, you salute that in generally speaking terms. But in the same vein, it's also great to have an opportunity for uh, a new generation uh, to take over and make their mark on a community. And that's what I think what we get with the, the term limit, you know, with the age limit and the opportunity now in the, the Muni court here in Struthers for a, a new uh, direction. 100%. That's where that I believe strongly enough that I put myself through this judicial campaign that I believe it's time for change. And it's nothing against Judge Lanzo because, like I said, I, I think of him like like a father figure and I think he does a great job but my ideas and my and I have a fresh perspective and a fresh outlook on the court it encompasses a lot of different areas and hopefully we have enough time to oh we have so. plenty of time all right you know what I was going to say is you know you look at the court in generally I mean obviously you know I've have had, had the opportunity to see you speak a couple different times and you mentioned you know there's nothing wrong with old school um the way the court is run talk about the way the court is run today okay. and how you would hope to make changes to that presently right now we have uh three morning sessions of court uh monday wednesday friday mornings they're from i usually get there at 8 eight thirty to review all the charges coming in and prepare the cases for that day and then the judge will usually get there, give or take around nine, uh, and he likes to leave, you know, eleven thirty, twelve. So we have a, a, about a two and a half hour window to get about thirty cases done. Some people call it like a rocket docket kind of situation, but most of, most of our cases are traffic cases. There, there's uh, out of thirty cases, there might be fifteen that are traffic. They're they're just stop signs, speeding zoning tickets typical violations that happen typical violations everyday violations that happen and then you'll have you know 10 to 15 cases that are assaults uh you know not all not in all 15 no i understand you have a couple yeah you'll have different varieties of maybe that so yeah you'll have a couple assaults you'll have a couple uh, inducing panics you'll have a couple felony possessions with preliminary hearing set you have a couple of EIs every day to get back to your question of how the courts ran uh so it's run you know uh it runs it runs pretty smooth but you know i sit in the prosecutor's office and i deal with the victims and the families and uh the police officers and defense attorneys and the witnesses of crime we check them all in for court and then right now the way it's run is you know most in I don't know all courts, but I would say probably most courts, especially because I was a practicing defense attorney before I became a prosecutor. The prosecutor is one of the most uh, powerful people in the courtroom because they're all they're my cases, you know. So uh, usually uh, the prosecutor's role is to meet with all the people and and um, the victims and witnesses of crime, the police officers, and all the people that have a stake in it, and we write into that we write a either they plead as charge or we, we offer them an amendment sometimes and we write in a sentencing uh chart and then that just goes before the judge and most of the, in most courts that's where the judge more or less just make sure the defendant knows his rights before he enters into a, a plea and then he, he allows the, the person to enter into a plea knowing what the sentence is written into the mm-hmm. agreement in our court the judge is a little old school so he wants uh after we discuss the case if uh on most 
criminal cases. He wants to know what's going on before it gets presented to the court, which is which is different, and it and it causes a little bit of a backlog and a little bit of um, more time consuming. I know it's not very lawyer friendly in a, in that regard. That's the way it's run. You know, that's why I think we need some fresh eyes there because I, you know, I do have the ability to listen. I think more more so than a lot of. Right, some of the people who are seeking the same position. Yeah, then some of the, there you go. And and so, you know, one of the big things um, that, and we'll get into all the drug court and stuff too, but one of the big things I I would like to do is just utilize the prosecutor, let him handle the the cases before the court, and then I make sure it's just a fair agreement, and I make sure the defendant knows what they're entering into. These are just on criminal cases. And uh, kind of expedite it, expedite it, yeah, bring it on close, you know, close faster and, and move it on to the next stage of whatever necessary it, needs to be done, correct? Ex- exactly, okay, yeah, yeah. that makes total sense. You know, obviously, you know, a prosecutor knows what he's doing, you know, you have faith in him and to set it up properly. And like you said, if you can just review it, make sure it's 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 fair, you can uh, expedite it and move the court faster and uh, not waste the court's uh, I want to say waste the court's time, but move on maybe something more important sooner. Exactly. Exactly. And and just to stay on this topic, if you'll let me. Yeah, go uh, right ahead. Right now, the court uses a regular cassette recorder uh, and a cassette tape to record all the proceedings. All re- proceedings in the court need to be recorded. Mm-hmm. We currently use a cassette recorder. So obviously there's... I don't even know if, where you could buy these cassettes at any, at this point. In time. <laughs> That's a good point. I <laughs> so, got to go on Amazon, I think, probably. Yeah, we were, we were already looking at uh, different versions of how to change that. Um, probably the, just go digital. I imagine, ex- kinda, exactly. you know, That's obviously is, yeah. digital recorders are everywhere. There's a lot of different ways you can pack them up with multiple ones so you don't have to worry about them failing. That's but yeah, exactly and, and what, just yeah. bring a little bit more modernization to the court. Oh, there's so you start with the cassette recorder and you just kind of snowball down from there. I mean, like you said about the digital recording, that would be a huge, um, not only time saver but a space saver. If you could imagine that we have oh to yeah, because you don't have to store it. The, we don't have to store all you these. You put cassette. it on a hard drive and a second hard drive is a backup, and you're, yeah, you know, you're safe. You know, and as, then, at least I would think. so. Yeah, and and it, and it's it's that, and it's also uh, some attorneys for whatever you know for a variety of reasons they need a copy or a transcript mm-hmm. of the proceedings. So the bailiff will have to go. Uh, listen to the cassette recorder of that day. So right. Fast forward, rewind it to the specific case, and make a copy of and it. make a copy of that, you know, transcript to to be transcribed for the attorney. So there's there's a like I said, it would snowball if you just make one little change like that. Um, but there's a lot of other changes um, um, that I well, I, you know, change is slow. I'm not saying I'm going to change. Oh no, nothing like changes overnight. Yeah, but yeah. opportunity to there, to modernize the court is probably, yeah. you know, it's 2017. It's not 1975. Yes. You know, cassettes were great. Don't get me wrong. I used them <laughs> for a long time in my business. You know, my when I was in broadcasting and all that, I did a lot on cassettes, even reel to reel. But, you know, times have changed. You know, that's just like this right now. We're doing a podcast. That's digital. You get it over the Internet, you know, and an opportunity, you know, to speak in a free-form type opportunity, interview one-on-one, or whatever someone may choose to do. And, and I can see how that could help uh, the Muni Court, you know, move up into uh, 2017 type of uh, technology. I totally agree. I mean, I the you know, when I... 
found out that we still use cassette recorders. That, you know, we're all like, I don't even right. know where you buy these things at anymore. You know, right. they're, and they're it's all, tough to like, find. No, it tough is tough to find. Yeah. Uh, speaking about online and stuff, that another idea I have. Um, this is on the civil side. On in Muni Court, um, it does the misdemeanors, like we said, and it has jurisdiction over felonies until it, they're bound over. On the civil side of things, the municipal court handles uh, small claims cases and small small um, civil cases up to fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. They're they're considered small because otherwise, of the numbers. Yeah, because yeah. of the numbers. And um, and about 600 eviction cases a year, so but right now those cases for the most part are being handled on the same days that the criminal cases are being handled on. But going back to the online and and the technology, most courts have um, these small claims forms, and because uh, a lot of these people that file small claims and file uh evictions there they are what they call pro se filers what what that means is they don't have an attorney to represent them because it doesn't really make sense if you're suing someone for two hundred dollars to go hire an attorney for a thousand correct so small claims court is it's, i don't know if they still use that term but that's no they do yeah no they do they do they still use uh small claims court so you know um Going along the lines of, of change, you know, you could imagine that I want to, as a, a millennial, you know, I want to put some of these things online or make make the court more user friendly in a lot of ways. But we, I think, we there's a need to make these forms available online or at our clerk's counter. Um, not only the small claims uh, forms, but after you get sure. a judgment, how to execute on the judgment, how to garnish a person's wages, how to attach their bank account, how to proceed after that. These court, these forms are readily available in other courts. I would like to make these things available in Struthers Municipal Court because you have people from Springfield, for example, that live more or less a half hour away. Right. And, um, you know, why make them drive down to Struthers Court to get a form? Drive home, fill it out, drive back to, or send it in to uh, mm. do it when you could maybe go you online and print it fill out. Fill it all out. Fill it out. It or mail yeah. it in or whatever the case and, may and be. Exactly. Mail yeah, it in. just expedites the whole. Expedites the whole process. Yeah, yeah. brings it down faster. You know, like you said, there's nothing wrong with old school style, and I have nothing against that. Matter of fact, there's you know, some things everyone loves that is still old school, but yeah. to uh, bring it up into uh, technology that's available in 2017 makes a lot more. Uh, sense for everybody involved and you know not just those who file in the claims those who prosecute the claims or those who are judging it uh it brings it all you know ties it all together and brings it a faster result i believe probably for those who will be using the court 100 percent. and and there are other courts i know in franklin county for example they are online filing so you could actually file a small claims case right online you could file an eviction right online um, I'm not saying that I'm going to do that in my first term or within the first couple of years, but that's an, the way of the future. It's an opportunity to yeah. move the court forward. And yeah. That's exactly what, you know, you've been talking about. And we're talking with Dominic Leone III. He is running for Muni Judge in Struthers. I'm Tim Contenezza. This is Radio MVP Podcast. And uh, Dominic Leone has been endorsed by the 224 Corridor Democratic Club and the Young Dems of Mahoning County. And we are talking about his race for the Democratic nomination of the Struthers Municipal Court, as he has, like I said, been endorsed by 224 Corridor and the Young Dems. Uh, Dominic has uh, prosecuted over 15,000 cases, and he's looking to uh, 
bring some changes to the court and bring uh, it up to date. One of the things we talked about before is, uh, you know, I heard you talk about, I should say, is the drug court and veteran courts. What exactly are drug courts and veteran courts? Drug and veterans courts are are more or less what they call uh, diversion programs or diversion courts. There's also a license court, too, that I'm interested in starting. Um, Any kind of court that you start, like a drug court or a veterans court or a license court, you have to get permission from the Supreme Court of Ohio. Um, I've connected with some people, and I've done some research on the applications for this. Um, It's it's pretty smooth sailing uh, as long as you have a commitment from the judge that you're going to be have these people in a program for eight months to a year because those are the most successful those Mm -hmm. are the target goals for success rates but more or less what a drug court is it's a it's an opportunity for someone that's charged with um we think of these f felony fours and felony fives is in the in our court, it's a big deal. But if you take these downtown to the common pleas level, these are these are crimes that are low-level uh, felonies. So it's an opportunity for us to save money by not having the county deal with the the low-level felonies. It's an opportunity for the defendant who lives locally to take advantage of some of the local services that we could connect to them. So, for example, if someone is pulled over and they have, uh, just say, a, a bundle of heroin on them, um, it would be charged as a felony five, uh, which is the lowest level felony. Um, we would have to amend that to a mis- or misdemeanor of the first degree, so they would it would be like attempted uh, drug possession. Mm-hmm. They would plead plead into that and go into the drug court. They would look at a maximum time of six months in jail, and uh, more or less. It would. It's like a weekly court. That's why I, I would. I consider myself to be like a more full-time focused judge because I want to have uh, a drug court. You you have to have a full-time focused judge. Uh, the person that pleads into the drug court would have to come in front of me, connected with um, breaking point or turning point. I forget. Uh, turning point is one of the local counseling centers. Uh, breaking. I think it's breaking point is one of them as well. There's Meridian. Uh, there's a few others, but more or less they're connected with a, a counselor. So they would go into counseling and they yeah. would go into a drug prevention program they would, and yeah. they'd be overseen by the court. There you perfect. I couldn't have summarized it. Yeah, uh, as we get they, into it. Yeah, random drug testing. They'd you know they have to call a number. So this actually saves the court. I, I would just I would assume a lot of uh, paperwork and money by having actually a drug court. I, I believe it would save not only the well. First of all, there is a fund already set up for the for these services. It's an indigent drivers fund, and um, we don't utilize it that well in Struthers now. And I'm still gathering the data on that. So you know, we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. maybe we can meet again and talk more about oh, that. But um, this is not uh, money to the taxpayer kind of situation. This is, you know, the money comes. To the out of the taxpayer pockets when we don't address these drug issues because right. they get sent downtown, they get put on probation, and they're out on the streets the next day doing drugs. You know, and then uh, you're ro- getting that cycle where they just keep coming before it, someone on the it's on a revol- bench, and yeah. you're in this situation where these individuals don't have an opportunity to uh, to make change. To, they don't have an opportunity to make change. They're overdosing. We use Narcan to um, revive them. You know, not only mm-hmm. one, I've seen officers use up to 30 vials of Narcan to revive people. 
uh, and then you you got only got three or four hundred dollars into each bottle of Narcan, but you also have the ambulance ride, you have the um, the hospital visit, you have the jail right. uh, stay, you have the transportation cost back and forth to the court, and it's just a revolving door because when they go downtown, they're you know these are low levels to them because they deal with murder and rape. Right, and, they have much higher yeah. degrees of uh, necessity to put first. Yeah, and and it is what it is, and uh, so we. Um, I think our court needs to adapt to what the society society need, needs the needs of society are right now and um so I think having uh some of these drug offenders come in uh once a week get a, get a job get your license get your family straightened out come in once a week report to the report to me uh tell me how you're doing what your what your family what your license um and more or less get people back on their feet um give them that opportunity to turn turn themselves around yeah and then in the same breath though um you know if someone is flunking a drug test it's already set up you know they're going to jail three or four days the first time they're going to jail 10 days the second time third you know yeah yeah, it's a progressive kind of set up so they they fail it there there's a there's there's a way to handle it there's a way to handle it and you know if someone's not complying with this i got them um, got them because they pled to a, a misdemeanor first degree. Right. I could sentence them right there to six months in jail. Wow. And then, so I see yeah. exactly how that works. So yeah. basically it exercises, it gives them a second chance. And if they do not are unable to fulfill the obligation that is in front of them from the court, the court has uh, a way to handle it and, and to put them in, in the situation. Cause they've, like you said, they've already pleaded guilty to a um, high degree uh, misdemeanor. Correct. Correct. Now, and the veterans court is is very similar to that. A veterans court is, you know, obviously you have to be a veteran. Um, Most of the time we see, well, we see veterans get OVIs too. Um, There's a lot of substance abuse problems and a lot of mental health issues that come with Mm -hmm. serving our country, unfortunately. And I think we need to treat our veterans a lot better. Um, But it's the same setup. You know, you plead to a a charge and you come to court and... um, you get connected with mental health. So you get evaluated first, like drug court. You'd get evaluated for your needs, and then you'd, you'd have to comply with the recommendations of the um, the the counselors and the evaluators. And then you come to court every week, and you tell me, you know, you, you got a job, you you um, you got a license, your family's together. You you have to stay in the program for six to eight months. So right. So basically, it's the same type of opportunity to report to the court to show them that they're making progress. And that they are going for now. Do these individuals in either court have opportunities to maybe expunge their records in the future? Oh, that's a, that's a, I didn't get to that uh, far, but yeah, as a part of the drug court and the veterans court program, if you plead guilty and you com- su- successfully complete the program, your charges uh, automatically dismissed and expunged. So that's the carrot as well. The, over so that's head. The, like the ultimate opportunity for these individuals who enter either a drug court or the veterans court. That is the ultimate opportunity for them to, you know, you you uh, pled guilty. Let's get you uh, situated so you don't break into people's houses or cars, and mm-hmm. let's get you on your feet and and, and be a productive yeah. member of society. That's perfect. Now I know we talked about how the courts run today is three days a week uh, in the morning from basically nine a.m. to about noon. I know you're talking about having a night court. Now, what what advantages do that uh, bring to um, 
the immunity court. What I have been finding, you know, I've been doing uh, six or seven years, depending if you want to count my time when Carol, the old prosecutor, the uh, retiring prosecutor trained me for about eight, ten months there. But, um, you know, what what I find to be a consistent matter, consistent problem in the cases that we handle are uh, most people have jobs. So, yeah. you know, for them to to take off for to fight a speeding ticket or a red light ticket or even to be a witness or a victim of crime and to come have to come to court to testify is a burden on them because they have to miss work one that so they have to mm-hmm. call off. They only have so many days to call off work. Um, and most times, unfortunately, our our cases in our court um get reset but i don't think it's just our court i think that's a common trend through it yeah so to as a prosecutor it's a problem for me to get some of the victims and the witnesses in now so um and even defendants you know with when it comes to traffic cases they they miss work they miss work you know to come to court it gets reset a couple times and then you know i and then even uh if you want to talk about um zoning cases too you know you you, Mm -hmm. the city or the township will will cite someone for poland township will cite someone for a zoning issue they have to miss work to come to the you know figure out what's going on with their car that was uh, had a spare tire on it or you know unlicensed something parked in their yard it's something parked in the yard or trash litter put up or something like that i mean there's a lot of different violations a lot of people don't even know that they are in violation of a code because you know let's be honest not too many of us you know make a phone call or look on the internet to find that out but when they do you know obviously there has to be a way to remedy it and and our zoning officers to their credit they do give a lot of warnings out to people and it's it's usually the repeat offenders that get cited for for no gutters um siding off you know Mm -hmm. Blight of some sort. Blight of a lot of, yeah, blight in a variety of degrees, yeah. And and so, but those people need to miss work to come to court. Most of the time they work it out with the city or the zoning officers before they come to court. But I have the zoning officers at court, um, and we work it out together, and, and they'll plea. And sometimes, um, you know, we, we write in a court cost, and the judge will go over that. And sometimes we, we want to dismiss it without cost because of uh, – certain reasons and the judge uh, sometimes won't let us do that either so those are some of the little things i'd like to change too but in regards to night court the the reason i believe it's a necessity is because like i said most of the victims and witnesses of crime are are hard-working families hard-working people in our community and i hate to have them miss work to come to court to uh, you know be yeah i mean i know i've had you know, speeding uh, violations in the past. And, you know, here you are, you look at it and he says, I really wouldn't mind going to court on this. And it's 9 a.m. And you're like, well, I'll rather just send in the check and not miss a day at work and, and move on from there. But, you know, there's times where you want to go to court just to, uh, you know, exercise your right. The hundred, that's what, you know, I've had probably hundreds of traffic cases over the years. And, you know, people really... Um, sometimes believe they weren't speeding or they got the wrong car right or didn't or, make that you know did, right turn illegally yeah. or whatever the or case may blinker. be yeah, yeah had their seatbelt on, yeah. on yeah who knows you know we all uh, have gone down that road you know most of us have had uh, a day in the in traffic court yeah and uh yeah there's sometimes it's simple uh procedure sometimes it's something you want to fight so i mean i totally understand that because it, it's a lot easier 
with a night court to uh, work around people's uh, lifestyle, I guess is the right word, and and work schedule. Yeah, I I definitely believe that there's a need for a night court, even if it starts at 4 and ends at 7 or 8 at night, even if it's more than one day a week. There's a big need for that just from being at the court for seven years. And I practiced there for three or four years before that. So there's a big need to have people available to come to court as a, from the prosecutor's end and to exercise their rights, as you were saying, from the defendant's perspective. Um, I think it just makes sense in, in these days and times that we live in. I know everyone talks budgets about uh, courts and uh, how much it costs and what it does and how you stay in budget. And, uh, I mean, obviously you mentioned earlier there's a fund for – uh, the drug court that is available, and you're looking into that opportunity. What are some of the, the the cost of a court that people don't recognize that goes into it, or or how a budget is uh, drawn up for a uh, a court? Right now, uh, the court's budget uh, from this this so just so to back up a little bit, um, the city of Struthers pays for the Struthers Municipal Court. We we give us uh, it's about two hundred and sixty thousand. $5,000 a year, I believe it is, per year that pays for the staff, the court's library, um, the court's computers, the judge's salary. Some of the judge's salary is paid by the state as well. And then uh, the court makes revenue by charging court costs, and then mm. they collect fines off defendants. So, you know, there's, in my opinion, our court costs are $98. It's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. You know, for uh, you, sure. the to add that a, a dollar or two more to everyone would increase the budget would increase the budget a lot right. and w- would give uh the court a lot of opportunities to, for change as well right. and obviously if you're looking at you know some modernization of the court you're going to need some funds yeah. you know i mean you can't just like you said do it overnight you know if you need a digital recorder and and a system to work on for that it just it's not going to necessarily appear just because you became the next judge just be yeah it doesn't appear and we are still getting these numbers but i believe as of right now at least for the fiscal year ending in 2016 there was about thirty five thousand dollars for computer uh, improvements so there you go so there's, there's opportunities so a, within the budget there's opportunities and the money's already there right it's, it's just a matter yeah. of exercising the opportunity to, to bring it to the court and there's already seventy thousand dollars in the indigency fund from court costs so the money's already there to pay for drug court and to pay for veterans court um so, so it's just a matter of, of exercising uh, that and bringing it ma- to, the, to the community it's just a matter of yeah updating uh the viewpoint to see you know that we need to make the changes and spending the money appropriately on the on the right technology so uh yeah in regards to the budget uh as well just from our you know like i said we're we're still collecting data on this but the court spends roughly uh i believe it's ten thousand dollars a year on its library and that's paid from the city of struthers you know right now um as you know uh, or you might know uh there's computer research software that's available at lexus nexus excuse me that's a tongue twister yeah in uh westlaw and and what these are they're legal databases they're legal you know um where they have case mm-hmm. law on there it's, and just, they have, it's all online it's all and online you can yeah access it through that yeah so one of instead the instead of just having a book 
instead in of a, yeah in a traditional library tense yeah as a old school there's a lot of good to that don't get me wrong oh no it, i'm sure there yeah, is yeah, yeah. but when, it's just an opportunity like you said it's just an opportunity so we don't have all the the ten thousand dollars worth of books every year we could we could uh go that go go a digital route. go a digital route where it's a few hundred dollars a month would immediately save the city you know five to five thousand or more sure. dollars every makes year makes total sense and yeah. then you can make it access to those who need it correct and, and then you could access everyone that needs it yeah yeah and that and again like you said it, it modernizes the court it can save some uh the court money and put it into a uh, better use and better opportunities for uh, serving the community a hundred percent yeah and i have a i do have a master's degree in economics um, so I have a lot of experience with de- dealing with numbers and studying budgets. You know, uh, as a law director, uh, my budget in my office is one hundred fifteen thousand dollars, and we work with I work with City Hall now on the budget, and uh, that's one of my other. If you I don't know if you want to call it a platform item or platform idea or one of my ideas is, it's really not an idea. It's just the the it's just a re- reality of the situation. Is um, I do work with City Hall right now. You know, I've mm-hmm. been working with City Hall for six years on budgets. I go to city council meetings that, you know, we have summer recess coming up, but or in a couple of weeks here. But, sure. um, you know, we work on the budget. It's like a budget workshop. It's a whole ordeal that we do. And the mayor is real involved in them. And we have a really good relationship with the mayor and with city council. Um, so, unfortunately, the, the way it is right now is the, the court, uh, for for maybe a, reasons I don't even know, doesn't have a good working relationship with the budget with City Hall at this time. So that's one of the, the things that I think... Try to make a transition of, of working with the city and the yeah. court, make that transition a lot more smoother and uh, to bring... Uh, more to again to the community that's what it's all about i mean that's yeah. what a court does it serves the community and that's i can understand exactly what you're saying tom let's talk a moment let's uh, backtrack a little bit i know we we got right into this from the beginning but you're from the area you're you're oh, originally yeah. from struthers correct actually i grew up in youngstown okay. I, went, I grew up on the south side of youngstown i went to uh, st matthias elementary school uh, and then I moved, we, I, my family moved to Struthers and I went, well, I always, my cousin lived in Struthers. So I always, I played like the little Wildcats football and, uh, I grew up with a bunch of guys from Struthers. And then, so I, it was natural for me to just go to Struthers high school. Um, so, you know, I went to Struthers high school, graduated in 1996, uh, went on to graduate from the Ohio, the Ohio state university. Yeah, not wrong with that. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, they're, they are a good business school um so and then after um i graduated from ohio state i I worked at bmw financials for about a year or so and then i went on to i wanted to be get a phd in economics is really what i wanted to do but i ended up getting a master's of arts degree in economics um, from youngstown state where I, i got a scholarship to go there um, and I was a student teacher at the time as well. And we actually, my paper in uh, graduate school was about forecasting crime rates, believe it or not. We studied uh, um, how unemployment rate and um, graduate school graduation rates were related to property crime. So we did like this forecasting model. Mm-hmm. Economics is all forecasting. Right. So we forecast, or I, that was my, my paper. Your thesis, so yeah, that was my thesis that, yeah. paper. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. It, 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 yeah, and when how I, it came about later on. Now you went 
Um, from oh, there yeah. to law school? From there, uh, actually, I got a job at Allstate Insurance. I was an underwriting okay. uh, underwriter. Uh, I managed a, um, maybe it was about 25 or 30 people that were underneath me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like a middle manager of underwriters. Um, more or less, the way that worked was um, people that – you know, if they got in a car wreck or whatever, if they didn't get approved for a renewal, their, their policy or, or their uh, their policy, yeah, would come to the uh, Allstate, our um, underwriting department, and we would review it to see if we we could write the policy or we could we would deny the coverage. Um, so I, you know, I worked there for about a year, and I got good, real good at reading the guidelines and stuff. And I don't know, a couple people suggested I, I go to law school, and then I started really debating it, and. Um, and I ended up going, and it was, you know, I went to Thomas Cooley Law School. It's up in Lansing, Michigan, and um, it's real close to Michigan State. So I used to always study at the Michigan State Library. I, you know, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a lot bigger. Yeah. But they, those two schools, I believe they were connected at some point, and they split off, and now I think it's even called Western Michigan Law School. It was a real, um, they, I guess they had, what they say is they, they let a lot of people in and uh, there was a thousand of us that entered the class and only 300 of us graduated. Wow. 70% dropped out. Yeah. That's, so 70, I know. Yeah. 30% success loss. I tell you those who are determined to get through and, you know, have a, a desire to, uh, to continue on in that profession. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there was, regardless of, you know, the, that dynamics of the class or whatever, but there was all generally about a hundred people in each class. Only the top couple people got an A and Mm -hmm. and then they went from there. So so many people got an A, so many people got A minus B, B plus, B minus, so many people got an F. So not natural progression progression yeah. people just you know flunked out or exactly. didn't, didn't continue yeah this wasn't for them after after law school um i worked at the or in law school i uh, worked at the attorney general's office uh in, in michigan um i was uh worked in the charitable trust division and we reviewed uh when people gave money to charities uh we i worked in that office for uh, about a year or so in law school and i learned a lot took a lot out of that and then my dad got sick and i moved back to the area to help my dad he 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 got uh i understand cancer and it's brought me back to the uh, areas when family got ill and you know and sometimes you you stay after that fact yeah and you make your life here but you know it's interesting um so you became law director when here in Struthers? I ran for law director in 2011. I was, I believe I was 32, 33 at the time. And I think that's, I use that uh, as, as a platform of, for the young Dems, you know, to right. get, get young people involved because I think I'm one of the youngest elected officials or I was at the time um, in the area in, in a position, you know, a lot in for to be the city's attorney and the prosecutor of the municipal court. Um, so I ran in 2011 and um, Carol, like I said, trained me for, you know, eight or 10 months before I took over. I took over in 2012, January 1st, 2012. And then uh, it's a four year term. So after the first four years, we, I ran again in 2015 and I, and I won again. Um, and uh, here I sit as the city's attorney. Yeah, which gave, gave the opportunity to really learn about the court that you're seeking to become the judge of. And that is, of course, the Struthers Municipal Court uh, Judgeship that's open. It is a open race for the Democratic nomination. Dominic has won the endorsement of the 224 Corridor Democratic Club and the Young Dems of Mahoning County. 
As we mentioned before, he's prosecuted over 15,000 cases in the Struthers Muni Judge or Court, I should say. And uh, some of the things he's looking to do is bring a drug court, veteran court, night court, and modernize the court with uh, just bringing it up to date with a uh, maybe a digital library and maybe digital recordings and other necessary needs to modernize the court. Hundred percent. That's that's why I'm that's why I believe that I'm the best candidate for the job. I I do want to be a full time focused judge. I think that what separates me from my other uh, from my opponents. Um, I think they want to just run things as they are and right. be more full time focused on their practice. Uh, my other my opponents, just so you know, they are practicing criminal defense attorneys. I'm I'm a you know I'm the prosecutor. prosecutor. So exactly, and you um, work within the court every day. I work in the court every day, not only in the court, but I work with city hall every day on on writing ordinances. Uh, lawsuits you know when I first started there was an explosion down at the sewer plant and it just ended in there's a big civil litigation case going on still actually for the last six years there was there's a, a number of lawsuits that we've handled at at City Hall you know I'm the lawyer for the city as well as a prosecutor one of the great things you know I was talking to you uh, prior to start this is I says you got one of those great names Dominic Leon, I says, the first thing I said is, I know he's not the pitcher at the major league level. <laughs> Played for the Seattle. I think he's uh, with Texas or something like that right now. And uh, and then you mentioned that there's been quite a few. It's a common name. There's a Yeah, it's a common name. There's a The Leon name is just a common name, too, um, right. in this valley. Unlike um, Continenza, which is not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So there, it, uh, there's a big family of Leones. Um, I'm not related to some of the Leones and Boardman, or some people will ask me if I'm related to some of them in Campfield. You know, only my grandfather and their generation would know. Unfortunately, my grandfather's not alive anymore. But uh, he had a big family, though. Right. And his grandparents, probably some relation down the line, I don't know. Um, to my, I have a cousin, Dominic Leone. I have two cousins, uh um, the last name is Mudo, Dominic Mudo, and his son right. is Dominic. My dad's name was Dominic. So it's a very prominent name within your family. Within now, my you family. had an interesting thing that you were oh, telling yeah, me about. Yeah. Uh, you were out actually campaigning, yeah. knocking on some doors. Uh, tell, was, me, tell me about that story. I was going, uh, this was a few days ago, I was going down Country Lane. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going door to door as, as part of my campaign. I'm trying to knock on everyone's door just so they get an opportunity to meet me and, and hear my ideas. And uh, I and I knock on a, a, a real nice house in in Poland, um, and uh, they invite me in actually. And uh, here they are; they're sitting at the a big dining room table, and here they're judging. There's a Dom Leon writing contest down at YSU, <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, they it's you know they had a, a real kick at it or you know real good time with it, but. They're judging the Dom Leon writing contest and judging. You right, know, right. And here yeah, I am. Here you're running for judge. <laughs> here I am. And, then, and your name is Dominic Leon. <laughs> yeah, here it's I perfect. am. Perfect. Yeah, you, could, you couldn't door. write that if we tried. No, yeah. It, so, that's just wonderful. And uh, yeah, I just saw her. She, the one lady that was there, she was at, I went to, um, there was a community dinner at St. Nick's and for uh, handicapped uh, people and uh, de- developmentally displayed delayed people excuse mm-hmm. me um and she was working there and she she brought that up to me and she's like we had such a uh a laugh about that and we were joking about that for a couple of days and that's amazing uh, and yeah, uh, it just it, it, and, life is, has a lot of fun yeah. things that can happen and that that's just perfect timing 
that you would be knocking on the door <laughs> when they were judging their own contest under uh, your name, or shared name, I yeah, should shared, say, with, yeah, with uh, the other Dominic Leon. Now, uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up real quick is uh, you're in a process of running for the muni judge, and that is a, uh, an important part of a community. Now, you've, like I said, been endorsed by the 224 Corridor, and you've been endorsed by the Young Dems. Talk just for a moment, just give me an idea of what you stand for and how the community of Struthers and the surrounding areas of that, of that jurisdiction will benefit from you becoming the next judge. I stand for being really tough on crime, uh, especially if you're violent towards uh, children, the elderly, or women in, in particular. Um, but uh, you know, it, if it, or repeat offenders on a, in multitude of crimes. Um, but I, you know, as a prosecutor, we see a lot of the same faces, um, unfortunately. So. Um, you know, as a judge and as a prosecutor too, I'm, I'm not. You know, um, there's a lot of fairness that goes into uh, charging people with crimes. You know, we, we have to review all the cases that come in, all the criminal cases, and we have to make sure that they're uh, fair and appropriate charges, and we don't discriminate in any sh way, shape, or form. As a judge, I want to bring that experience to the bench. I want to just make sure our families are protected. Um, I believe, you know, there is strongly enough that there is a drug problem in our area that. Um, the way to reduce the crime is to initiate some of these drug programs um, and, dr and veterans programs in our court so we don't have the revolving door of the crime problem. Um, I also want to help the community by, like, like you were talking about, uh, modernizing the court so we could save money. We could have a lot more people have access to um, the forms that most of the people use the court for is a, the small claims and the eviction process. Um, and also just, you know, making sure, you know, I've done a good job. I'm proud of my job, my, my, uh, self as a prosecutor, we've reduced the crime rate. And I, I know a couple of years ago in Poland, we, we cracked the, the top five list in, um, the safest cities in Ohio and Struthers, we topped the top 50 list of, uh, top safe to, safest cities in Ohio, excuse me. Um, and then, unfortunately, there was a uh, rash of car break-ins in Poland where it was a, a person that I, I believe we had uh, a charge with a misdemeanor drug possession um, that we didn't have the program available for. But, um, you know, that it is what it is. But now I think Poland is at 14th in crime, and I think Struthers dropped off the list, actually. But, um, you know, I'm proud of my, my uh, past as a prosecutor. I, want, I do want to bring that experience to the bench. I think it's time to uh, have a cooper more cooperation with the police and a more user-friendly court. That's Dominic Leone. He is running for Democratic nomination for the Muni judge here in Struthers. I'm Tim Continenza. I want to thank you all for listening here today. I know you have a fundraiser coming up. You want to mention it real quick? Oh, we have a fundraiser coming up uh, this Sunday, excuse me, April 2nd, 4 to 7 at St. Anthony's Hall. That's 100 Lovo Road in Shothers, Ohio. It's from 4 to 7. It's a spaghetti dinner. Uh, there'll be a bunch of desserts. There's a band there as well, and there's refreshments provided. Too. All right. Well, I just want to get you a chance to say that before I forgot. And... Uh, once again, that is Dominic R. Leon the third. He is running for Muni Judge in Struthers. And I want to thank you, Dom, for taking the time to talk to us and uh, let people know more about your positions and how you can affect uh, the city of Struthers and its uh, court. 
thank you for having me, Tim. I appreciate it. It was a thank you very much. All right, my pleasure. We'll be back. I'll see you all soon. We're gonna do more of these podcasts throughout the uh, time as we uh, move forward with uh, Radio MVP, your Valley's most valuable podcast. As we uh, continue to move on with Radio MVP, I'll talk to you all soon. Bye.